Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. I never thought I would open a podcast episode with a parental discretion advised warning, but we're going to be talking about some adult stuff today, so parental discretion is advised. In early November, a movie's going to release called 1946, and that was the year that the RSV Bible translation was released, well, at least the New Testament. The Old Testament was uh, translation was completed in 1952, so the, the whole RSV Bible released in that year. Anyway, in 1946, there was a controversial translation of a the word homosexual, and so that's what the movie's about. They're claiming that it was a mistranslation in 1946, and of course that has major ramifications in Christianity today, and it has led to the abuse and mistreatment of homosexuals, those those types of things. Um, so this movie is going to uh, uh, cover a few different people talking about how this uh, th- this translation was challenged and uh, just kind of the story behind how they they came up with that translation. So again, the movie's not released yet, so I haven't seen it, but I have listened to about a 40-minute interview with Rocky Roggio, who's the director slash producer of the movie, and she talks about the the basic content. So uh, this is not new stuff. Uh, um, You know, Greek scholars have known about these translation things for a long time. So these are some of the, some old arguments that have been circulating over the past several decades on homosexuality and the Bible, Uh, but I'm sure there'll be some, you know, emotional heartstrings tugged with this movie, of course, uh, on different lives that this, you know, mistranslation, supposedly, I've got it in air quotes, um, has affected. So, Anyway, there I have seen this. I'm not new to the game on this. I have seen this a lot on Twitter and social media, different people I follow. And so there's lots of things that uh, people are doing to get this message out there so that people are prepared for when they see all kinds of TikTok videos and and different things and and you know, hopefully you go see the movie yourself and and think critically about it. Um, anyway, so once you see this movie, or maybe if this comes up at Thanksgiving or Christmas where someone saw it and brings it up at the, the dinner table, or you're talking with friends at the office, um, different, different situations like that, I would like for you, if you listen to this podcast, to be aware of the issue and, and what are some of the, um, some of the claims made by the movie on the mistranslation, and why did the RSV committee translate it homosexual in the first place? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I am not a homophobe, okay? So anytime you say that homosexuality is wrong, you're automatically, you know, you're filled with hate, and you're a bigot, and all of that stuff. And so people can call me what they want, uh, but I'm not a homophobe. Um, but I, the only reason that I am against homosexuality is because I believe that God's word is very clear that homosexuality is a sin and sin separates people from God. And as a Christian, I want everyone to be reconciled to God, to be made right with God. And so if you are living in sin, you will not be right with God. So therefore it is loving to for for me to 
share this about the Bible, what I believe the Bible clearly teaches. So this is out of love. Now, our culture has a really wacky view of love nowadays, where if you don't just absolutely get behind someone positively affirming them, clapping and praising them for every decision that they make and every little thing that they do, no matter what, if you don't do that, then somehow our culture says that you are not loving. Loving tells the, the true love tells the truth. And so again, I, I believe that the Bible is very clear on this issue and that's why I'm covering this topic. So this is why I believe that homosexual is the correct translation and also why I believe the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. All forms of homosexuality, you know, loving, monogamous, homosexual relationships, even that, I believe, the Bible says is a sin. So that's what we'll talk about. Now, the first part, this is this week is part one. That will cover just the basics of why it was translated homosexual. We'll break down the Greek words, all that stuff. The next week, I'm going to cover some of the uh, common arguments from the other side that would be made against people saying homosexuality is wrong. So basically, the the pro-homosexual side of the argument. What are some of the claims they're making, and some of my some of the reasons I don't believe that's correct. All right. So that's what we'll cover next week. Now you can always email me, and in fact, because this is a two part series. And I've, I've got the basic information already done, all the research is done, but if you have a question, try to get it in early this week, and, and I'll try to address that as I record for next week. So email me, bearchristianity at gmail.com. You can message me on Instagram at the Real Bear Martin or on Twitter at bear for. Christos, and that's bear, the number four, Christos. Anyway, for our little special segment of the show, A Bear in the Woods, since we're talking about 1946, the movie, uh, I was thinking about, you know, what are some of my favorite movies, and one of them was on the other night. I was actually flipping back and forth between uh, that and a football games. During commercials, I would I was going back and forth, and it was The Sandlot. So when I was a kid, I had a TV-VCR combo thing in my room, and I had a VHS tape of The Sandlot. And every night, I watched The Sandlot. So so if you know me at all, I fall asleep almost instantly. So most nights, I went to bed before the opening credits were, were even gone. I was already asleep. But anyway, one of my favorite movies, it's about a kid who moves into a new town, and he doesn't know anything about baseball. He sort of wants to learn, but um, he's just not very good. He tries playing catch with his dad and gets hit and gets a black eye, so he's just not very good. And he, he's trying to meet new friends, and so he, he meets this group of guys who love baseball. And so uh, he also, his, his stepdad has a ball signed by Babe Ruth, and the ball gets lost, and the boy, it's it's like over the fence, and there's a big dog on the other side of the fence. And so the movie is about these boys trying to get this ball back. And lots of adventures and funny stuff happens. Anyway, it's an awesome movie if you haven't seen it. So check out The Sandlot. Okay, usually I quote from the ESV Bible translation, unless I specify otherwise, but 1946, the movie, is going to be about the RSV English translation, and and specifically the 1946 
translation of the New Testament. They revised that in 1971, and it actually has a different word. We'll get to that in a second. So this is from the 1946 version of the RSV, and 1 Corinthians 6.9 is one of the main passages that they'll talk about in the movie. So let me read it for you from the RSV. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. And so that's verse 9. Verse 10 continues with with some other sins. It's like a vice list here. And then at the end, it, it concludes that everybody practicing these will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the the main issue is that phrase, nor homosexuals. So the RSV actually combines two Greek words. And these Greek words, you're going to hear them a lot, are malakos and arsenikoites. Malakos and arsenikoites. Now, as a side note, um, the, the plural forms of those words are malakoi and arsenikoitai. So those are just the plural forms, and you may hear, like if you watch the movie, you may hear either one of those, and you'll probably hear either one of those in today's episode. So just know that those are the two Greek words, and the RSV combines those words and just translates it as homosexuals. Now, other translations uh, will either combine them or split them up. So let me just give you some examples. ESV, that's the one I typically use. It says, nor men who practice homosexuality. So it combines the two, the Malakos and our Arsenikoites combines them there. The NASB and LSB, that's the Legacy Standard Bible, they split them up. It says, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. The King James Version also splits it up, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. So splits them up there. Um, The RSV 1971 version changes it to a, a more general term, I guess. And so instead of nor homosexuals, it says nor sexual perverts. So just generalizes the word there. So let's talk about these two Greek words that are combined to to be translated in English homosexual. It's malakos and arsenikoites. So malakos first, it literally means soft or delicate or maybe even fine. Um, So let me give you an example of, of how it's used in the Bible. And it's talking about like fine clothing or soft clothing. Matthew eleven eight. This is Jesus talking. He says, What then did you go out to see? Speaking of John the Baptist, a man dressed in soft clothing. That's that word. Soft there is that word malakos. Behold, those who wear soft or malakos clothing are in king's houses. So that's that's the literal definition of the word. It's just soft. Now, metaphorically, it it was very common in the Greek language to use this as uh, metaphorically as effeminate. You you heard me uh, mention some of the translations that that use that very translation, effeminate. Um, It it can also be translated catamite. So a catamite is the receiver in homosexual activity, and a sodomite is the the penetrator, the giver. Okay, so um, so. Malakos could be translated catamite. Um, again, it's the receiver. The it's, It could be translated a male prostitute. Uh, it could also be used to refer to a young boy in a pederastic relationship where the older male is the, the penetrator and the young male is the receiver. Um, so it's, it's, it can be used to describe 
uh, because it's the the word soft, it it's also can be used to describe men who are acting more like women than men. And so th- this is a uh, a negative thing. As a as a man, you wouldn't want to be called malakos or or soft. Um, you you know this this sort of applies today. I mean, like growing up playing sports. You know, if if your basketball coach calls timeout and and in the huddle says you guys are playing soft in the paint, all right. For instance, that means that you know right under the goal, you're not boxing out, you're not playing physical. So so as a as a guy playing sports, you want to you want to be a uh, like a, a this phrase in baseball is a hard nosed ball player. Like you just play the game hard all the time. Um, so you don't want to play soft in in sports. And so typically, this word soft is referring to you know in general females are more tender and soft and so that's that's what it's getting at it's a man who is acting more like a woman than a man okay so that's malakos in in general we're going to we'll talk more about it in the the next episode some but that's malakos now the other word arsenikoites paul here is apparently making up a new word and this is not out of the ordinary for paul he does this a lot in the bible so a, a very common example is a word we've already talked a lot about in previous episodes, and that is theanustas, and that's the word for God breathe. Theos is God, nustas is breath or wind, and so in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed or breathed out by God, theanustas. So that, that was not a word that, that is found in history before Paul wrote that. He took two words, theos and nustas, and put them together. And there you go. Now, in the same way, Paul is making up a word here, arsenikoites. All right? And and so this is the first time we have any manuscript evidence. Arsenikoites used by Paul here in 1 Corinthians is the first historical evidence of this word ever being used. So the thought is that Paul made up this word. Now there, it's it's two words put together. Arsene, which which is means means male. Okay, um, arsenos is a the genitive form of that in in the Greek language. The the endings can change. So arsenos is another form of that, but it just means male. So Matthew nineteen four says this. He answered, "Have you not read?" This is Jesus talking. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So there's the Greek word right there, male. Okay, the other so that's our saying. The the other word is koite, which literally means a bed or a couch. So in Hebrews thirteen four, it says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous." Now, you know here bed can can obviously mean, you know, there's the bed at the other side of the room, but it also can have a a sexual connotation to it. And so, you know, this is not like, it's not like people talk like this a lot today, but like you could say, I bed a woman, and that would imply that there was, there was sexual activity there. And so that, that's the way the word can be used biblically as well. Um, And so koite means bed or couch, but there's there's often a, a sexual connotation to it as well. All right. Now, where could Paul have possibly gotten the idea to combine these two words, arsane and koite, into arsenikoites? Okay. Where could he possibly have gotten this idea? Let's think about who Paul was. He was a Pharisee. Pharisees were professional law keepers. 
No one knew the Old Testament law like Pharisees. So the first five books of the Bible is called the Torah. It also means law. And that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so the Pharisees basically had that memorized. Okay, So nobody knew the law like the Pharisees. Uh, Paul, before he became a Christian, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was the you know, top of his class in, in Pharisaism. So he, he, he knows his stuff, okay? In the Septuagint, I know I'm throwing a lot of terms out here, but in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. But the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Here's the thing. In the Roman Empire, pretty much the whole known world spoke Greek. That was the universal language. And so as the as uh, when Jesus is is crucified and then is resurrected and then the apostles start going out on these missionary journeys like Paul, they're they're going to go to the rest of the Roman Empire with a Greek version of the Old Testament because that's what people spoke. They're they're not going to try to take the Hebrew everywhere. So the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament was the Bible of the early church. The Septuagint is what the New Testament authors are often referring to. So keep that in mind. And then now I want to read you Leviticus 20, 13. It says this, If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Okay, so that's that's the ESV version. Let me read it in Greek, in the Septuagint, okay? Now, you don't have to understand anything I'm saying. All I want you to do is listen to the sounds that I am making and try to see if you can figure out where Paul may have gotten the idea to put arsenos and koite together, okay? So here's a Leviticus 20.13 in Greek. Kai has on koimethe meta arsenos cointain gunaikos. All right, so that what I just read there is if a man lies with a male as with a woman. That's what I just read in Greek. So Paul is simply putting together two words from the Torah that he would be very familiar with, arsenos and koitain. All right. So this is also found in Leviticus 18:22. In English it says, "You shall not lie with a male as with a woman." So same concept there. It is an abomination, okay? Now, in Greek, the word order is not as important. So the endings of words change to tell you if it's the subject or the verb or the indirect object or the direct object. And so the the word order is not as important. But let me read Leviticus 18.22, at least the first part, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Let me read that in Greek as well. Kai meta arsenos oi koimethesei koitain gunaikos. So again, within a few words of each other, you have arsenos and koitain. Same same idea. And again, it, when, when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek, and then translated into English, it's very simply, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Okay? Very, very easy translation there. So, Paul takes these two words and combines them, arsenokoites. So, the literal definition would be a male better, a male who lies with a male. 
Okay, that's that's a, an easy translation of our synechoites, because it, when we look back at the Septuagint, that's where Paul's getting it. And then the word gunaikos, you may have heard me say that, that's a woman. And so our synechoites is a male who lies with a male as with a woman, as because we're drawing it from Leviticus here. So the arsenicoites, that implies, because he's he's lying with a male as with a woman, it implies that he is the penetrator of the sexual act. And so if we take all of this information and go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that's why some translations combine malakos and arsenicoites into just saying nor homosexuals, because that would cover both aspects of homosexuality. Okay, so some of them split it up, nor effeminate, and, and again, that would be someone who's malakos, soft, a man acting more like a woman than a man. Okay, so some split it up, say no, they'd say nor effeminate nor homosexuals. And so, um, again, these two words, malakos and arsenicoites, malakos would be the passive homosexual partner, arsenicoites would be the active homosexual partner. So in in here, malakos and arsenicoites, both words work together to cover both aspects of homosexuality. Now, this interpretation, hopefully I've been able to clearly lay it out where it's very simple to see how we get you know, th- this this uh, translation of homosexual, because we can look back at, we, we know what malakos means, and then arsenicoites is a new word that Paul makes up, but he's combining two words that are right from the Septuagint, and Paul would have certainly known the Septuagint. And so it's it's very simple, it's very straightforward um, what what Paul means here, because we, we can see where he's drawing his information from. And when you're doing Bible translation or translation of any kind, that you're looking for that consistency, okay, and, the, and that type of evidence. And so this makes sense with all of the Bible. It makes sense with Paul's um, intimate knowledge with, with the Old Testament, the Torah, and Leviticus. Um, it does not require any sort of strained interpretation. And if Paul is the first person in history to use this word, then we should think about where Paul may have been inspired to use it. We we don't look... So, so arsenicoites, and this will come up in the movie, I'm sure, it's, it's used throughout the rest of, of history when people were writing in Greek. And so there's like 5th century references to arsenicoites meaning something other than the, the, penet- the, the active partner in a homosexual relationship. And so as words develop and, and change meaning, you know, in, in ways and sort of sometimes can broaden in context, then yes, this word is used to mean other things. But in Paul's context, he's the first one to use it, and, and I think he's drawing from Leviticus there. So what is the, the better way to think about what Paul means by using this word arsenicoites? Is it to look at the Bible references that use those words, and Paul is just simply combining them together? Or is it to look at someone in the fifth century and how they used it, and then try to read that concept back five centuries into what Paul was writing? So I think my way of looking at it, obviously, I mean, obviously, I believe I'm right. Okay, that's why I'm <laughs> that's why I'm covering this. Um, but I just think that that is there's that's the stronger evidence for for that interpretation. All right, so hopefully that is clear there. Now, 
The the other thing that I want to mention here is I talked about Leviticus 18. I, I read that, you know, if anyone lies with a male as with a woman, he isn't that's an abomination. Okay. That's in Leviticus 20, but it's also in Leviticus 18. And the reason I mention that is because Leviticus 18 lists many sins, you know, child sacrifice to Molech, uh, lots of different things. And Israel is about to go in and conquer the people that are living in the promised land. And God's going to tell them to drive them out completely. Now, Leviticus 18 is not the the laws that God is commanding Israel to keep, okay? He's Leviticus 18, God is listing what the people of the land that, that are there before Israel is going to take over. God is saying, this is why I'm driving them out of the land. And when you get there, don't do that. Now, Leviticus 20, God is going to list a lot of the same things, but there will be a punishment along with that, because God is now explicitly stating the laws to the nation of Israel. And so Leviticus 18, that, that's what's important, because here's another thing that the pro-homosexual argument will say. They'll say, well, Leviticus is just talking about laws that the nation of Israel had to keep, and they couldn't eat pork as well, but plenty of people eat pork nowadays. It doesn't mean that homosexuality is wrong. But what I'm saying is that that, that was... This is outside of that. Leviticus 18 is talking about the the wicked things that the people of the land were doing before. Like God didn't give them rules. God, you know, God just said they should have known better, and I'm driving them out because of that. Okay. L- let me give you a few verses. Leviticus 18, 27 through 30. For the people of the land who were before you, again, God's talking to the nation of Israel here. The people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations so that the land became unclean, lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the person who the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. So again, Leviticus 20 is a list of laws for the nation of Israel, but no matter what, Leviticus 18 talks about the nation the nations or the people that were in the promised land before Israel. Leviticus 20 is going to talk about the laws that they must keep in, you know in the future, but both ways a man lying with a male as with a woman is an abomination. Whether you're an Old Testament Jew or not, it violates the natural law of God that is consistent with creation. Now, the only other use of arsenicoites in the, in the Bible is by Paul in 1 Timothy 1.10. So 1 Corinthians 6.9 and 1 Timothy 1.10 are the two references that arsenicoites is used. And in this verse, let me give you a little bit of the context. I'm going to start in verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So here in this, and again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 1 Timothy 1, 10 are what people refer to as vice lists. So it's listing out different sins. 
Uh, here, a lot of the sins, it's referring to the Ten Commandments. So first off, it says the, the unholy and profane. This could be a general way of talking especially about the first four commandments. You shall have no other gods before God. When, when, when you consider God to be holy, that means you set him apart, and he is unique and different than anything else. So you shall have no other gods before him. You should not make idols. You do not take the name of the Lord in vain, so that would be profaning the name of the Lord, and you must keep the Sabbath day, or you must remember the Sabbath day to what? Keep it holy. So the unholy and the profane are going against those first four commandments about God. Then honor your father and mother. And and here in the verse, it says, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. The next commandment is murderers, and it covers that. The next commandment would be adultery. So instead of saying adultery, it says the sexually immoral, and then specifies that even further, men who practice homosexuality. And then it goes on, enslavers, that's people who steal and lie, perjurers. So it's covering the Ten Commandments here. And so again, I, I, I believe our Senecoites, just because we, we've already broken down where Paul gets those two words. And so again, I, I think this is the act of homosexuality. If we go back to Leviticus, it's a man who lies with a, another man as if they were a woman. Okay. Now, that's that's going to close out the this first episode, and we'll finish up next week. Again, I'm going to address some of the main arguments from the opposing viewpoint. And so send in some questions or comments if you have them. My email again is bearchristianity at gmail.com. So more, more on this stuff next week. Now, after listing these sins in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and saying those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says this in the very next verse, and such were some of you. So he's talking to this church in Corinth, all right? So they were that way, but they were changed by the power of God. Again, this episode is not hatred for homosexuals, okay? I don't hate homosexuals. I don't pretend to know the difficulty of having homosexual desires. And so I, I can, without without knowing what it's like, I can understand that that is a big struggle and a, and a big thing in the lives of a lot of people, okay? Um, but I do struggle with other sins. So I desire things that are contrary to what God's word tells me is right. And desire for something does not imply that it is right and good. The Bible determines what sin is, not feelings, not culture, not the government. It is God's word, the the written revelation of God our creator that he has given to us that is what reveals what sin is. And so just like I'm saying homosexuality is a sin, I have to read the Bible and and think about my own heart, my own life, and the sin that I struggle with, and let, let God constantly be working through his word to convict me of sin in my own life. And so I believe that the Bible is clear about a lot of sins, including that homosexuality is a sin. But just like any other sin mankind deals with, there is hope in Jesus Christ. So again, let me read 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 